You are listening to the Massive Report podcast. Ring, ring, ring. Hello. Hi, this is Columbus Crew. Is this FC Cincinnati? Yeah. Um, it's 7:15. What? It's 7:15. You're not here yet. Shit. We'll be right there. Click. It's a little theater of the mind. What else can explain the utter ineptitude of FC Cincinnati and Hell is Real? Hell is Real Part Two last night at Lower.com as your crew drill FC Cincinnati three nil in front of a sold-out audience and uh, you know a few thousand Cincinnati fans sitting on their hands. Nothing to do. Probably talking on their phones or I, texting. I love that you used the word drill because the first, second, and third goal were all drilled into that they net. They were. They were. Welcome to the Massport Podcast here at Saucy Brewworks. What does Ari say? Uh, Ori say? He says... Uh, Keep your brew, brew works saucy. Yeah, something like that. We're at Saucy Brewworks, our fine sponsor. We thank them for having us again this week. Like, like and subscribe to the Massport Podcast, if you would. Brett is here. Bert is here. Sam is here. And I'm Brian. <laughs> we have much to discuss this evening. Let's start with the buildup of the game. Murph, you were there, I trust. And uh, that might have made a, a bit of an intangible difference. Sure. I, I want to go back to even last week. And look, we, I think we've all given this organization, the ownership, the front office, a lot of crap sometimes for decisions they've made, especially over the years. The way that they set up things for this game, I thought was handled as as well as you could have. Um, you know, they had stuff going on throughout the week to kind of remind people that this game was happening. I told a few people that I don't think I've ever gotten as many texts from people like, hey, can you get me a ticket to the crew game? I'm like... No, I can't. No. Uh, and, you know, normally that's not... I mean, look, this is, the, what, the 11th straight sellout. So, like, they've been in demand all year, right? But the just the the fact that so many... And these are not people that, like, regularly go to games, right? It, it was people that, you know, are sports people, but not necessarily MLS or crew fans or whatnot. So that was cool. And then the stuff they did around town and, and kind of the, the signs that were all over Columbus about this game. Um, and then... Yeah. The tailgate started at noon for those people that wanted to do that. Um, they even had the pig roast for the Crew 2 game before that the team helped do, which was delicious. Um, even though I didn't pay for a ticket to get into the what? pig roast part of it, but uh, no one seemed to mind when I went to go get food. Um, wow. But yeah, so everything leading into the game, like the day of the game was awesome. The tailgate was great, and the, and the Nordic did great with that stuff. Then you get in the stadium and Sam was just saying before we started recording the the Nordic was filled probably what an hour before I mean well before it normally is and uh, so I think that helped create the atmosphere um, they have what's the band's name Welshy Welsh Arms, Arms. Welshy Arms from they played Cleveland. yeah they yeah. played uh, they played their song Legendary before the game and yeah. it was that was a great way to start it. Then they play. They also played. Uh, what's the song? Can't help falling in love. Yeah, that one. Or they played it, AKA which, Wiseman. There you go. Uh, they played the song 
which was a way cooler way to have the team walk out, I think. I've always had an issue with that song because I think like there's a big buildup and then it's a slow song that kind of brings everybody back down. But their like rock version of it was fantastic. Wilfred Nancy running through the brick wall because he's suspended and can't be with the team that they do before every game. The match igniter. Yes, there it is. The place went absolutely nuts. And the fact that they kept that under wraps all week was pretty impressive. I don't know if I've, even with the goals, I don't know if I've ever heard that stadium as loud as it was when he came through that fake brick wall. Um, and then just like the the fire and the you know the, the pregame stuff on the scoreboard and, and everything. Look, I've been down to Cincinnati for the games down there, a handful of them, um, and they do a good job. And like, there's buzz around that stadium and everything beforehand and, and whatnot. This was as good of, I mean, this rivals, you know, major college football stuff that I've been to and things like that. And it, it was awesome. Uh, obviously, it helps that the crew go out and win 3-0, and, and so you look back at it positively. But I, a lot of credit to people behind the scenes getting that all done. And I think it really did. To your point, Brian. It helped create that atmosphere in the stadium that then spills over to, to the game and, and it plays out that way. So it, it was fantastic. I, I will remember that game, not just for the result, but for everything that went into it uh, for, for a long time. Brett, before we cover our Columbus crew in praise, I'm really baffled by the utter lack of urgency for 90 minutes from Cincinnati. What did you see? Yeah, I mean, a team that... Um, had no answer to the the question, what if the shot doesn't go in? Um, and the it was like kind of like um, you know, like 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 we said on the pod all year long that the I don't you know, like to use the word luck kind of with with some of the results that they're that they've had this year because it's not luck, it's 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 relative skill. And the fact that they're putting themselves in positions to have those opportunities. But the shots for them have gone in at a rate that felt unsustainable. And and and, uh, and I think on some level, because of that, there is maybe a, uh, I would say it's human to do this, but there I think there is an air of kind of complacency that can come from that. And when, when Brandon Vasquez is shot, Right in the maybe the first ten minutes or so, where they create a high leverage chance, two v three. Lucho Acosta lays a perfect ball off for you know for Vasquez to hit with his instep to the far post, and he kind of scuffs it, and Patrick Schulte catches it. It was like, oh crap, because that shot's gone in all year. Mm-hmm. By the way, that shot has gone in all year. When that didn't go in, they were like, shit. Now what? And then the next thing you know, crew go right back around and score. Um. So, yeah, you know, it was to me it was like the whole the whole situation, the whole kind of evening. And I wasn't there; I watched at home. Um, the 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 build up to the week was incredible. I think that you know the hashtag business business metrics of the crew have been on an, an incredible trajectory since Kristen Bernard and company has been in town uh, for about a year and a half now. The marketing stuff has been excellent. Um, Katie Foglia and her group have been awesome, so they deserve a ton of credit for that. The build-up all week was amazing with the the match igniter stuff with Nancy. That I think a lot of people thought it was going to be Buster Douglas. Hand up, I thought yeah. it was Buster oh, Douglas. It would have made one hundred percent sense. Awesome too. My first reaction was like, "What happened to Buster? And why is it Nancy?" Like that was literally like, "Like, oh, that's sick." One, two, is Buster okay? Well, maybe if he uh, maybe if Nancy's not suspended, that's right. the route they get. I don't know. 
the the whole boxing glove thing threw everybody off. Um, the but like the the band was was something you know I listened I had you know I, I always try to make a point to to listen to Chris uh, Doran's uh, radio show on the fan um, the pregame show because uh, usually his mood is kind of a good indicator as to like the the relative importance of the game. Homeboy was on one in the first five minutes. He was like, and it was just like, okay. And you could hear the buzz and his field mics, you know, kind of underneath him. And so um, it was everything. And then the fact that they come out, they get an early goal. It just was like, well, they're just going to smash. They're just going to smash Cincinnati. And it was, uh, they had nothing. And they had no response to that. It, they wilted under the pressure. They, they, I think they, um, it was like like the old Mike Tyson quote for staying with the boxing theme. Like everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Well, they got punched in the mouth and, and absolutely collapsed, absolutely bailed and threw the towel in. Um, there was a stretch in the second half, um, pretty much from the the opening kick to like the seventy seventh, seventy fifth minute, somewhere in there, where it felt like they literally didn't have the ball for that like. 30 odd minutes it was like it was one of the most dominant displays of major league soccer i've ever seen especially when you juxtapose it with what we think cincinnati is which is one of the best teams in the league those two points could not have been far off that was not the best team in major league soccer that we saw um and it and i think it in some ways it's like uh, it speaks to the kind of the statement that the crew kind of made and sent across all of MLS, which was we just beat the ever-loving crap out of our arch rival uh, when we've been sitting on our butt for 16, 17 days. Mm-hmm. And like, heads up, everyone, this the, you're officially on notice because, oh, by the way, we managed to get better in the transfer window, too. So uh, we'll talk about the goals, but I, I thought that one of the biggest turning points in the match, and it happened all throughout the 90, we were consistently picking off balls in the mid-third of the field and erasing any sort of counterattack that they were trying mm-hmm. to come up with. I'd, I'm sure somebody counted somewhere, Murph, but uh, we were – we were picking off ball after ball after ball after ball. And that added to their frustration. And you yeah. saw that frustration boil over more than once. Yeah. I mean, I think they got, you know, tactically, uh, they, they got everything right. You know, there were questions going in about, okay, do you start Camacho? You know, does he just quickly step in? Do you start Diego Rossi, especially after Nancy talked about how he was further ahead than he expected? They stuck with what they knew, and I think it was smart. And I think playing guys that had an emotional connection, you know, Rudy Camacho may have been a better defender than Sean Zawatsky, but Sean Zawatsky's been a part of this team, and, and, you know, he was there when they lost in Cincinnati. So I think there was just, like, an emotional aspect yeah. to it. And that, you know, then that plays out in the, the energy that they had with everything, and, and that's part of what you're saying, Brian. And, you know, when you're winning the balls in the midfield and, and picking off stuff like that, uh, it has an effect both ways, right? And I think you, you saw that to your point. Um, you know, I was nervous going into this game. I thought if you looked at the last game, like if Cincinnati could make it chaotic like they did at the, the start of that game, then you know, they, could, they could come in there and get a win. Um, I predicted Cincinnati win when we did our, our picks on the site. Just Somebody I, picked it, predicted a clean sheet. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mea culpa a little bit. We'll yeah. get into that. Right. In a but uh, look, I, uh, 
you know, it was it like a perfect performance that 3-0 looks like? No, probably not. Like, if Cincinnati scores a goal, if Sean Zawatsky doesn't clear it off the line, yeah. or Patrick Schulte doesn't have some True. really big saves, then, you know, that game could have started to tilt the other way, and, and maybe we're talking about something different. But, you know, this is this is what we got, and I think everyone's going to look back on that as, like, hell yeah, you know? Um, and, I mean, even if you look at that first game, I don't think Cincinnati's disappointed that they gave up a two-goal lead because they won, right? So uh, the fact that you were able to, to especially add that third goal at the end was uh, was nice for, again, for a rivalry derby match. So Lucas is gone now, and perhaps this inspired Aiden to look more at being a goal scorer. He has a, gets off a nice shot early and then scores a banger not long after that what did you see that was different from him as far as his approach i mean i don't know i don't know how much i would say was different um i do think the and we can we can maybe pull pull a layer or two back uh on the onion um with uh with uh um the uh what Diego Rossi does when he comes into the team, because I thought it was kind of fascinating to, to see uh, essentially his uh, what his role might be in essentially replacing Lucas Aran. But with with Aiden, it just felt like he was up for it, right? In in every possible way. I thought it was a huge mistake for Pat Noonan and company to not start Yaya Kubo. Um, and because he's a, an emotional guy with a legitimate attachment to the rivalry that always seems to be a little feisty in the game. And the fact that you sat him on the bench for 55 minutes was a massive, massive mistake. Um, and they paid for it in the first half because that's where that's where they struggled was in center. They gave plenty center of space. Of the field. They, they, they did not win a single second ball, I think, for probably like 30 minutes. Um it, it, they, they were just bad, plain old bad. Um, and then Zawadzki and, and Steven stepping into the midfield a little bit, I thought was pretty effective. There were a couple times where they get caught, they got caught in behind, and they managed to snuff out um, some of those opportunities. I they seemed to know where they wanted to go, where they needed to go when those op- yeah. those opportunities came up for Cincinnati. And I think earlier yeah. in the season. That's would have been would have been where Cincinnati would have gotten their goals. Well, and it was really interesting to see, especially when Stephen Marrera got forward, guys covering, uh, and they've done that this year. But in a game like that, like if you get caught out at the wrong time, there was one in particular when he got pretty far forward. I don't even think he got the ball. He just made a run. Yeah. And uh, it was Darlington Nagby who hauled ass back to to kind of cover that space. And I think you know a guy like that. He's, 33 and maybe he doesn't make no he was making those runs to get back and uh julian gressel covered for him one or two times so i think you know they clearly have a tactical idea of okay if you're going to make these runs forward the other guys have to be aware and i think that's important you know if you're just going to throw numbers forward like they like to do um especially you know from the back like that you you have to have some kind of discipline on the other end and and they handled it well and i think that that's going to be important going forward, especially as you're integrating new guys in there. You've got to have those things right. Even before Rossi entered the match, I noted that Ramirez seemed to be playing a lot more withdrawn at times. He moved around a lot. A little bit. He, I think they were trying to put him on on Ray Gaddis a little bit to try and win win some of the, the longer balls and to be able to work some stuff um, off of 
off of Ray because he he is an outside back who's kind of playing at that outside center back role now. Um, the uh, so I thought that was a little bit of a, a move there. Um, they, you know, what we said in uh, the the last pod where. Um, you know, what they really want to do in, in terms of build through the left side and, and have Barial kind of do his, like, left wing back, left winger things, uh, they took advantage of that and hit the, the space that he vacates um, a little bit. But I, And I thought you saw the entire... Everything that Julian Gressel offers um, defensively and his, and his tactical awareness, mm-hmm. his, his willingness to, to run and defend, um, to... Uh, to be physical at times, it was. I mean, it. it I mean, I, I. I would sign him to a contract right now, like a long-term contract right now. It seems uh, that it seems that he, even though he was limited in like how much crossing, like it seemed that they shut him down. But that let Kucho on the other side actually do a lot of crosses into the box between Kucho and Yao. Yeah, and that was that was kind of interesting. And there was a lot of times where he was running, looking to get the ball, and didn't because there were options cent- central. Like he didn't need to play him wide to whip anything in. Uh, and then in the second half, there's no reason for him to cross balls in because you're dominating and you're up 2-0. So just hold on the ball and keep, you know, keep trying to make something happen, you know, uh, with a, maybe a higher leverage kind of situation. So, um, you know, I thought Nagby had a really quiet, quietly dominant game. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a couple really, I thought were just like total veteran, um, like plays where you know it felt maybe like there was a a turnover or something and he kind of vacuums up all those like second balls that he always does and then we get fouled kind of put his body between the defender and the ball and then fall over and get a foul it was just like snuffed out any like sniff of a momentum switch um that i thought worked really well their new striker the new dp um the guy who's from uh gabon i forget his last name uh he looked absolutely had no chemistry with anyone on the team. I thought that really helped. Like if it was Brenner in the situation as opposed to him from you know the previous iterations, it may, they maybe look a little bit different going forward. But there's a, the one play in the second half. It's it's Gupenza. Uh, yeah, um, is he Gabonese? Did I get that right? He is sick. Uh, I think they had three. V- Not a hotbed of soccer players. Not generally. Pierre no. Emmerich Obama yeah, he's the only one I can think of, right? He's Gabonese. Anyway, I didn't even uh, know that. So he they get a they get they played him behind three v three and he like kind of holds it up. He's got Acosta and someone else and he played the ball wide, thinking there'd be like a streaking yeah, right. No, and there was nobody. Right. You know, yeah, the, I remember the next that closest one person was in, in Hamilton in County. In particular, was just comical. Yeah, and it was just like oh, like it like if that's all you got, buddy, and you're paying that dude, like you you need some time to kind of work in. But the uh, yeah, I thought D was really great. Uh, Aiden, you know, covered every blade of grass and looked dangerous going forward. But the width, to me, the biggest thing is the width that Gressel provides allows for so much more space centrally to be able to work the quick one-twos, you know, third-man running kind of stuff. And, like, I mean, how many times did we see it in the second half where they, like, they have an opportunity to go, like, four or five, six, seven up, and they don't finish. Um, and that's mostly because Gressel's standing out there and you have to put a guy out there to keep an eye on him because if you don't, he's going to serve something on someone's noggin, right? So it, they, it's just, it looks so good going forward. And if it looks that good going forward and you have finishing results, and on top of that, you seem to be progressing and taking steps forward defensively, 
what more can you ask for? Absolutely. It looks excellent. It looks excellent. So Rossi comes on as a yeah. sub, and it's his first match with the team. What do we think? Solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, nothing, nothing remarkable. Um, you know, he was coming in to help them close out the match, so you know you're you're not. He wasn't asked to do it. Right. Lot. Yeah. You don't need to push him forward as much as you might have if you're you know tied or trailing. Um, but I thought he played well. Look, we're just talking about Cincinnati. Ha- you know, integrating a new guy and it, it not working. I thought he looked like he'd. Not that he'd fit right in, but that he'd clearly had some time with these guys. Um, you know, there were some some good runs, some passes. His pressing is very evident. Yep. Um, he right almost away. scored yeah, on his right, right. like third touch of the game. Yeah. Um, so look, I. It'll be interesting to see. Okay, how much does he play next week? Does he start next week against Toronto? You know, how do they bring him along? Because again, you're. It's not like you're not scoring goals, right? You know, you you're, you've been scoring plenty even without Zellerion. So. You don't need to force him into the starting lineup right away. Obviously, they want they want to, but if he's you know if you're worried about fitness with preseason stuff, or you just want to keep the chemistry of, of kind of that attacking group you already have, you know maybe maybe you just let him kind of build and build until you're you're confident in, in moving him in, or you need him to do something. But I liked what we saw. Um, you know, I think it's a good situation to come into, right? Like, yeah. You know, you're, you're not under pressure to go out there and deliver right away as the new DP on the team and, and whatnot. Kind of like when Cucho first came. Like, mm-hmm. He had to come to that game and make an immediate impact. And look, I think Rossi could have done that potentially if, if needed. But I think it's just easier to, you know, slowly kind of work into that, that role. Because you have the luxury of slowly working him into yeah, that exactly. role. He doesn't have to start, like, right away because you need that, that scoring prowess. But the other side of it, though, is don't, don't you want him playing as much as he's physically able to right now just mm-hmm. to get him integrated with yeah. the squad? That's, yeah. I think that's why you get the 30 minutes. Like, everybody on, on the socials kept saying, oh, he's never going to play. He hasn't played anything. He's in preseason form. And I'm like... He's still a professional, and they were in preseason preparation. So it doesn't mean that he, he has, hasn't played games. Doesn't mean he's not physically was already in preparation to play. So could, was he? Is he ninety fit? No, absolutely not. Is his he's touch? Close, though. He's yeah, pretty. I would guess exactly. He's pretty he looked he, pretty, he close. pretty close, and his touch, which you'd think would be a little rusty, looked mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. He told me last week that you know, while he'd only played in some friendly games, he felt really good now he admitted that you know the rest of the team was in mid-season form but that you know he felt like he could he could do whatever they needed from him um i think it's interesting because i see a lot of people complaining about this on social media he's the only sub before the 90th minute for the team and like look some coaches just don't well there was a sub at didn't before the what what minute? Ninety. Yeah, because the other subs came Mitton, in at like right? the ninety. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, he came in at the sixtieth. But I just I, I think people get you know you just assume around the sixtieth minute you're gonna make subs. Nancy, and obviously he's not the one making the subs, but it's his assistant coach. I think he's very comfortable with if his his team is playing well and and no one needs to come out of the game, he's gonna roll with those guys. And yeah, you know, I don't have a problem with it. Right, and I. Yeah. Some coaches are like that way. Some coaches, you know, like to get make subs at like very specific times if, if things are going the way they expect it to. So, uh, and look at the results obviously speak for themselves. But I, I've just seen a lot of people complaining about the lack of subs, and I, I do think sometimes, you know, you I think with any coach, you probably question those things from time to time. But I think this is just kind of who he is as as a coach, and he'll make the subs when he feels like they need to be in the game, not just to make subs. They mm-hmm. also haven't played in two weeks. 
So it's not like there's like you know game compression or anything. So everybody's pretty fit. So yeah, and yeah. and and if somebody's tired, he actually has knock on wood enough depth that he yeah. could substitute that for the next game. And um, also, and also, real quick, there's nothing I saw at any point, with the exception of Matan, who did not have the. Uh, I would say it's safe to say that he didn't have his best game. Yeah, I was just going to bring him up. I do think. And this is not something that we would have said in the past, but I think it, it, this signals to me some of the progression that he's that he's made. That he can have a bad game now, and I don't think it matters a whole lot in the long run. And that's that's a credit to him, and that's a credit to the development and and how well he's played this year. Is like, well, yeah, you know what? You might, did you look like kind of twenty twenty one Matan there at times? Were you turnover machine? Yeah, absolutely. But like, you've shown us enough in 2023 to where that that doesn't dent or shouldn't shouldn't dent confidence in him as a player um but he did have to come out of the game like he needed to come out of the game mm-hmm. for sure and the with rossi coming in i thought it was the the running is you know like we said is absolutely there His, he seems kind of already bought into it which is mind-blowing um i think that he wants to do that yeah like yeah well it's a fun and that's what he did fun, in la tactical setup you and, know, for players in a lot yeah exactly and I, and also a lot wider he plays a lot that i think that that right away i noticed that he he will not be as centrally involved especially in build-up as lucas was and well, so do you think that that's the way that they just lit last night or do you think that because i envision him being more central going forward now if christian ramirez is out there i think that's Though, as we were saying, he was moving around a lot. He started the game on the, on the right wing. Um, but, like, he's more of your natural central forward, right? Right. I, and so, I don't, it kind of threw me for a loop because I wasn't entirely sure if that was them, you know, uh, picking on uh, Ujoa a little bit on the right side, who's not necessarily known for his speed, and saying, go out there and just go at this guy. Um, or if that's like, no, this is where I play. Like, you know, I want to be able to, um, you know, put my butt to the touchline, receive facing inward, and then and then try and make something, uh, you know, kind of working in on my right. I don't know if that's actually how it's going to be, but the the thing that I kind of kind of liked um, is that it allowed Cucho to not have to stretch that the the remaining two center backs. Which then gave him oppor- a couple opportunities where they had the ball would be left, working its way back right, and they had an overload there. And instead of it being like Christian Ramirez, who's playing the kind of the, the pass that goes back into the box, it was actually Cucho doing it, or Cucho trying to receive and turn and make something happen. And like, wh- I mean, how, we've seen the dude, uh, you know, now for a year and change, where like 13 months he's been with the team, 14 months. The, the ability in tight spaces is just outrageously good. And, and so I, I, I love that. I still think he needs to be in the box, and I think you'll see him in the box more. But, like, the, the fact that he um, – maybe his kind of, like, the, the – like, let's say the geography or the area in which you want him to have dynamic touches, if that expands out into zone 14 – that's only a good thing for, for the crew, as far as I'm concerned, especially if Christian Ramirez keeps playing the way he, he's been yeah. playing all year. It, to me, he could almost be the more likely guy. You know, if, if we're assuming that Matan is the odd man out of this new front three, 
then to me, Cucho could be the, the yeah. Lucas replacement more so. And not that, again, he, it's not a like for like, because none of those guys is Lucas. But he is, of the three, probably the most creative, can play the, the pass that most people can't, that type of thing. And not to say that Rossi can't do some of that, but he's, I think he's more be in the box, you know, score the goals. Right. And Cucho can do a little bit of everything, which I think is what makes him so good. Well, I think what was on display for Cucho last night was just his strength, his brute mm-hmm. strength, his ability to run through people and make his own shot. There was one play... I think it was in the first half where they tried their damnedest to foul him and he just kept he ran rolling. through like mm-hmm. three yeah, guys. He just yeah. kept running like Derrick Henry, you know, bowling through them. And I think that in soccer, we don't often talk about guys like that. Yeah, that just sure. sometimes it's just like, you know what? I'm just going to bull you over, you know, which I may talk about central defenders doing that, but an attacking right. player to just put his legs in the ground and cram it through right down your throat. Well, especially guys just go down, like right. Yeah. That's that's the way soccer is played now. Yeah. Is guys go down so easily. So it is refreshing to see a guy want to stay on his feet and you know not just look for the free I kick. I love when the referee sticks out both his arms yeah. and the, says, the "I saw that. Play on." I love that. We need more of that. It's a beautiful thing. Also, really, really quick, Uncle Ted. You know, Uncle yeah. Ted. Decent game. Yeah. 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 Not bad. Yeah, it's a moment. He did get in the way. He did get in the way once, which was Correct. awesome. One of the, of the all-time, one of the great all-time lines from Chris Doran in the radio broadcast. You know, Ted Uncle's in the way. We've heard that before. <laughs> killed me. Absolutely killed me. Um, the, With Matan too, and he's like two feet taller than yeah. Matan. But um, it was the classic Ted Uncle game too, where the ref had been, you know, he had been refing it one way for you know eighty minutes, and then all of a sudden, the last ten minutes, it was like totally different. It was fantastic. But no, he did he did just fine. Soft penalty, which is totally great. Uh, well, I think we're even with Cincinnati now. The crew's even was uh, on soft penalties. Um, it's, it's funny you say that. I said to somebody at the game after the penalty, after they scored the penalty kick, like it set up similarly to the game in Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, Aiden's goal obviously was not the same as, as the one they scored, but, you know, you get that penalty kick, you're up 2-0, and it's like, okay, how do the crew handle this? Because since he didn't handle it well, being up no. 2-0 in front of their crowd. And again, like I said earlier, maybe if a couple things go different, you know, we're talking about something completely different, but I thought the crew handled it well. And, yeah, I'll take the soft penalty all day. All right. I, I think the, the crew came out of this game, and in, like, the first 10 minutes, my impression is they came out and they're like, we're not going to take any shit from you. And they came in aggressive, and they came in more physical than Cincinnati did. And I think Cincinnati got thrown off, and they're like, what? This is, we're normally the ones that do this to, because we know that we're the inferior team, even though they're not this year. So that was number one, and I think that threw them off. But number two, if Matan had not had... Like, he would get through, like, four players, and then his final pass was terrible. And if he'd not had that, the crew could have been up another probably three goals. Easy. I think I think with, like, even, like, semi-normal finishing, the game should have been, like, 5-0. You know, the Christian Ramirez should... Well, like, 5-3. I mean, like, well, you know, yeah, since he finishes there. Right. You know, um, you know Christian, Christian had that, that left-footed shot that mm-hmm. just kind of bent um, the wrong way that, you know, it's... Landon Donovan always used to, always used to joke that that was like whenever he would see guys 
try and hit that ball far post, he would lose a little bit more of his hair. Because, <laughs> um, like, the, 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 the kind of like the joke is you hit that near post. Like, Maradona would score 10 billion goals on that situation, uh, left foot or right foot, by hitting that ball near post as opposed to trying to hit it low and far. But, um, you know, it's the, the sense of urgency I thought that the crew came out with was so palpable. And I think that is a direct result of the energy that existed in the building, you know, during warmups and everything, going back into the locker room. They came back out. It didn't seem like they, um, you know, had any issue feeding off of that. In fact, I think it was a, an, an exceptional positive for them. So, um, you know, sign me up for, you know, what, 10 games left, 11 games 10 left, games 10, left. Games. 10 games left. Send me, sign me up for, you know. 10 more games uh, of that because um, especially come playoff time, because if that's, if that's the atmosphere that this team has when the playoffs roll around, I mean, I'm not counting them out against anybody, period. Three guys that I want to mention real quick, just for very different things. Sean Zawatsky has embraced that defensive role, even though he doesn't necessarily like it. But his save, his save off the line yeah. was just fantastic. Huge. And he made a second one and the five seconds later, too. That, that clearance that if he doesn't get to, it might be another goal. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Steven Moreira, he's just... I don't know. He's like he he's starting to get like that team captain. He's the emotional material. leader he of this is team. Unquestionably 100%. the emotional leader. Christian Ramirez is playing with such a joy. Like I like I I would actually love to have him on the podcast. Maybe that's what we need to do. I'd love to have him on the podcast and just kind of pick his brain on what he thought this was going to be when he came in and what it has become now as this team progresses through the season. I think that would be that would be a fun Christian discussion. Ramirez, former teammates and friends with Diego Rossi. He said last yeah. week they already he already had him over for barbecue. Oh great. Um, so uh, yeah, I, Rossi talked about the fact that, you know, having somebody that you knew coming to a, a new team like that was, was very helpful and you know, so he's helping in more ways than than just is apparent. And that yeah. could also incredibly translate even yeah. better on the field. Yeah. Look, there's a, a lot of season to go, but would anyone be shocked if Cincinnati dropped out of first place in the next month? Because that, what are they that, that was a soul-stealing. What are they up? Eight, eight points. That was a soul-stealing loss. Yeah, there. I mean, I think the the response is going to be important for, for them, and I know we're not a Cincinnati podcast, but I kind of wonder, you know, maybe they came in a little overconfident. You know, just, you know, we're, we're the top team in the league, and, you know, we should be able to go there and at least make this game competitive and, and whatnot. And like Brett said earlier, when you get punched in the mouth, especially if you do, maybe not even overconfident, but you're just confident and then it doesn't go your way at all early. Um, but, I mean, you've said it all year, Brett, and you said it earlier. They, there has been this this luck involved with some of their results, and you know, sometimes that luck does run out. Now, does that mean they give up an eight-point lead? I don't know, but... The word I would can't. use is efficiency. Their their efficiency has been sure. at a, not yeah. necessarily luck because right. it's not luck that you got the ball to where it is yeah, to right. have a, to have a shot. Right? That's that's being, you know, on the upside of the you know perfection, perfect efficiency. Right? But the, um, it's from that point on that I I like it. It's Austin twenty twenty two, like it's the quint. It's like the same thing. You know. You know. All of a sudden, it's like. Like, oh, you know, I don't hit that one quite as perfectly and it doesn't end up perfectly in the bottom corner. Right. Like, the, um, you know, I, I think with Cincy, 
it's such a bad game that they'll just flush it and move on. They've got they've got Messi to worry about on yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, and like I mean, oh. the Open Cup stuff I think is a, was a little bit of a factor. I don't know how much of it it was. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see what Pat had to say. Pat Noonan had to say after the game. Um, They're also a little banged up. Yeah. So, uh, and I also think the Brandon Vasquez transfer saga has that might be something to kind of keep an eye on in the next few weeks. And so, so backstory is he, they have offers from him to go to Europe that they don't, they meaning the club, the front office feels aren't uh, up to his transfer value, right? But Brandon Vasquez wants to go to Europe. It's it, then not only is it more money for him, but it's obviously all the Europeans. Is the stuff. window still open for him? Yeah, you yeah. can leave. Right. The MLS window is yes. just closed, so MLS teams can't. But you can go to Europe. He can go yeah. the other way. Yeah. So, I think it's the end of this month. Is when okay. it closes. Right. So the that'll be something to kind of keep an eye on in terms of how that might affect a locker room. Because I'm not saying Brandon Vasquez is unhappy. That's probably not fair to say. But there is an element of him essentially not wanting to be there. And Cincinnati saying we're keeping you here, quote unquote, against your will because we want to have an opportunity to win a championship. Um, that's something to kind of keep an eye on. That being said, I think they played so poorly that, they're, that it almost doesn't matter. It was, it, it was like, well, I mean, we can't play any worse than that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would be shocked if they if they found like a rut of form to the point where it, it resulted in anything other than them winning Supporter Shield, because that would be an epic final third-ish of the season meltdown with that like we have literally never seen. I was just trying to put um, a put a Maloika on them or something. The uh, here's here's what I would say. The I this is the Browns fan in me, the, the Cleveland sport, the lifetime fan of Cleveland sports. Never try to root for bad things to happen for your opponents because the sports <laughs> gods, okay. soccer gods, football gods, right. whoever they might be, they they are neither fair nor benevolent. But they really don't like shitbaggery. All right. And if you, so they're more than more than happy and willing to, to to flip the script on you if they feel like you're being a little bit of a shitbag. So for all the people who have tweeted at me like, oh man, I can't wait for them to melt down and lose this worship. Let's, you know what? Don't do that. All right. Don't do that. Fair we, enough. We keep the good karma ball in our side of the field, and we pass it around, and we control the possession, and then we smash it in the back of the net. Let's keep that rolling. Shall we head to the most depressing room in North America these days? We are playing Toronto on Saturday night at Lower.com. Hey, they scored a goal last yes, week. Yes, they did. I'm getting into that right now. They lost to Montreal 3-2, their arch rival, over the weekend. Let's, uh, let's go back to July. Okay? Here are their scores. This is League's Cup and MLS play and whatever else. 1-0. These are all losses. 1-0, Back to June, 2-1. New England, they got a goal. 3-0, The last time they got a result was mid-June. They have three wins on the year. We haven't seen them in a while, but it's just more of the same from them. I'm, of all the clubs, Certainly in the Eastern Conference that we've seen go completely south. It's still stunning to me how bad Toronto is compared to when Tim Bezbajinko was in charge up there, how great they were. What is going on up there? It, 
it's almost as if, and, I, and this is a shocking development and kind of jump to make, but it's almost as if bringing in not one but two very mercurial a-holes who are notorious in professional soccer to be the front people of your team who kind of don't like anybody and have never have throughout their entire careers, it's almost as if that's not exactly advantageous for fostering a positive environment to be successful. And who are these people? Talking about Insigne and Bernadeschi. Okay. Bernadeschi, by the way, I don't think I'm out of line in telling some of this story, but like the the entourage that he came with, that he required like jobs for buddies uh, with the team and like some of that crap um, that we've that we've heard both kind of in the MLS real, but also like legitimately true has been crazy. Uh, I don't know how much longer he's actually going to be there because supposedly he hates it. Um, though did score, sounds like everybody hates scored it. an absolute bang. Yeah. Um, Bob Bradley craters, um, you know, and, and I, I don't know how much, you know, they like some of the, the group like, you know, Mikey being there, um, you know, as a team captain and coach's son, all of that. There do seem to be some rumors as to John Herdman coming yep. in yep. Um, and, and helming the team, taking over the, the team. Yes, the women's Canadian. Yes, the women's Canadian uh, women's national team uh, who's wildly popular um, and like an avowed um, like diehard homer that I think would fit in really, really well with that fan base. Um, so that would be, I think, the best move they could possibly make. But the they stink. They're so bad. Some of the moves that they've made, and I'm not just talking about Insigne and, and Bernadeschi. But, um, Herdman's now the men's national team coach. She was the women's Yes, coach. that's yeah, right. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Um, and uh, the, um, you know, I, it's, in, in some ways, it's like the, the, the fan of the league and the, you know, and how much I enjoy the history of it and kind of what certain clubs mean and, and the hierarchy of the league. You know, when I think of Toronto, I think of cold playoff games up there, like where they're just Josie Altador just turning into, you know, going into God mode and smashing people and, and Sebastian. Um, um, Giovinco. Giovinco. I almost called him Sebastian Blanco, which is that's a different player. Um, Giovinco doing his thing and, you know, Richie Larea being the, you know, the, the, if we were making an NCAA style tournament of like the most hated players in the league, he's the number one overall seed. Like it's, you know, it's like one of those things where like where, where I, it's a little bit like the DC United teams of the last decade. It's like where I think this team should be and, and kind of like on a, um, like Q rating or, or personal perspective. And then where they are in reality are two very different points. Um, but yeah, they stink. They absolutely stink. Well, um, Bernadeschi, and they're paying and a lot you, of money to be bad. Yeah, the 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 two the two DPs you're talking about, Bernadeschi and Insigne, both from Italy. Um, what's their history? I mean, where did they come from? Did they play? I imagine in Serie A when they were a little younger. Yeah. So um, Lorenzo Insigne was uh, Napoli. I, I don't know if he's a homegrown product, but like that coming from Napoli. Um. And then Bernadeschi bounced around a little bit. Supposedly, he and, and Insigne are like buddies, but like, <laughs> just no one else, no one the, else have them. It sounds like. Yeah, you know, I don't know how much, um, you know, how much that actually is true. He was at Juventus for a long time. 
Um, I'm now Wikipediaing him to double check this. Yeah, 134 appearances for Juventus. That's where he came from. Um, initially, was a Fiorentina youth, um, and uh, and then eventually making a senior debut. And unlike Lucas, they're in a situation where they're not going to be able to sell these guys. They're stuck with them. So right? to speak, yes and no. Um, there do see you know depending the, the you know the the MLS rumor mill that's always going. There is some maybe some smoke a little bit with Bernadeschi being a quick exit uh, in the coming weeks, just simply because he just doesn't like it here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. They're a tactical mess. Um, if uh, Jonathan Sorio isn't on the team, I don't know if they have three wins. Like they're that bad. Um, so of course they'll come out and they'll look really really good. Um, and you know. Playing with her like head on fire and everything that we expect for bad well, teams. Well, we do to have do. the Trillium Cup on the way. Yeah, yeah, of right. course. Uh, you made reference to this earlier, Brian, but it, it's amazing how quickly a team can stumble when you make personnel decisions. And you know, look at what the crew have done with Tim Bezbachenko here. And it's not to take anything away from when Greg was the sporting director or whatnot, but look at what they've done. They win an MLS Cup. Now you don't make the playoffs for two years, but you're close. And I think. Most people aren't putting that on on Bez, though I do think that he is certainly a part of it. But you know, then you go get Nancy and you make some of these moves, and Toronto's gone the complete other direction uh, since that you know that kind of run that they had blew up. Um, and you know, I mean, I, this works out in the crew's favor, right? You, you get one of the best GMs in the league who happens to be from here, which certainly helps. But uh, yeah, I mean, and they've just. Brett mentioned, but even some of the non-DP guys that they've yeah. brought in just haven't made sense. You know, the, the Bob Bradley thing looked good on paper. You know, he obviously has had a lot of success in this league, but... But that blew up in their face. He made yeah. everybody mad. Like, top to bottom. Like, what did he do? What? Some of that I know that is probably not for public consumption, and some of it oh, is more rumor, well. but the, the big thing is that, like, they... Like, they, like the youth coaches didn't feel connected like it, the whole thing was very toxic for lack of a better way of describing it and like which i don't know if it was an american canadian thing I, I you know i don't know if it was uh a locker room you know yeah. that seemed okay with mike mikey being the captain and kind of the guy and then all of a sudden his, you know dad comes in and it kind of felt a little weird i don't really know i but feel it, like that would have been more of an issue though if he brought him in like yes. he'd been there for so long right, right. I, it just it looked good on paper bring in a successful and coach like far. that. Yeah, it just absolutely felt Yeah, right. absolutely. Well, and, and look at the two Canadians that we have on our roster. I'm not counting Aiden Morris, who's half Canadian like me. But Jason Russell Rowe, Mo Farsi, both guys that, for whatever reason, uh, am I not wrong, that we're they totally, could have both totally been abandoned. Toronto players. Yeah, we're yeah. absolutely, and that's, that's my word, but like I think it's probably relatively accurate, that we're like discarded. Um, that Bez slash Corey Ray with Cor- both of their connections, but especially Corey's um, in kind of the youth Canadian, the, the Canadian youth soccer scene and those existing relationships with those two guys. I mean, and two absolute like grand theft, you know, football players uh, from, from, from them, crazy stuff. And the fact that they, you know, put their faith in them and valued them. And then obviously you're, they're seeing, Really, really quick returns from both of them. It's nice crazy. goal by JR. Crazy, uh, crazy, yeah, right? Way. So, like, um, but that's kind of what I'm talking about is that it, it felt like for me that 
with 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 the Bob stuff, it just didn't. I don't know, like square peg round hole, maybe kind of kind of thing. But like, it, I n- would never have expected it to melt down in the manner in which it did. Outside of the fact that you have this guy who has a tremendous track record, one of the best soccer coaches in American history. So whether we like that or not, or whether people like that or not, that's true. Um, and then you bring in two a-holes and the whole thing blows up. It's kind of like, well, okay, I can maybe see that as a, you know, foresee that as a downstream effect. But um, yeah, they're just plain old bad. And I don't think it's one of those things where, because it's obviously there's some decent kind of runway, uh, you know, preceding all this of them being poor, right? Yeah, and I don't just this year. It's not just this year. It's been the past, you know, several. And on top of that, they got a lot of runway beyond this where they're also going to be pretty bad. It's not going to be one of those things where it's like, oh, we got a new coach and, you know, Herdman comes in and flips it. Like, what he's going to come in, he's probably going to clean house entirely. And it might take, like, another year or two, which is – crazy to think about in terms of you know their standing in kind of the major league you know soccer hierarchy and uh, on top of that what club is Nancy more familiar with than his own and playing those important matches yep. at, at the helm of montreal well, and, against and, toronto and they play a lot because the canadian cup or whatever it's called there's only so many teams right. so you, you end up seeing montreal toronto vancouver quite a bit um beyond just the normal MLS games. So, yeah, I mean, he will he will certainly be familiar. Look, this is, we said this a couple weeks ago when Minnesota came to Columbus, but, like, you have to win this game. Like, there's Absolutely. no, Minnesota was, was sort of on an upward trend, and, they, and they've, you know, they won in New York this weekend. Uh, but this is a team that, like, you can't give them life at all. Like, early in the game, step on their throats at the beginning. You know, do, start off like you did this past game, and, you just can't let them have any. In a, in a, it won't. It won't be the same level of a rivalry game as as against Cincinnati, but it w- there is still some of that there, right? And especially for some of the older guys on Toronto, they'll be looking at this as an opportunity, and you just have to snuff it out quickly because they are not good enough to to be coming in and getting anything out of this game. Pre-game speech from Josh Williams on the importance of the Trillium, Trillium Cup. Cup. Listen, I was here when this was a thing. You guys take this seriously. Yeah, I mean, I don't, again, I don't want to anger the soccer gods, but I don't see any way that we don't win this game. I just, I mean, but, but, weirder things have happened. Kansas City earlier this season goes into Seattle. They were in terrible form, and they beat the Sounders. So if you're not ready, that will happen to you. It's Portland. Against the crew earlier this year, Portland couldn't throw yeah. the ball in the ocean, and all of a sudden they look like an MLS Cup team, yeah. right, you know, against the crew. It's the same kind of thing. Um, I think it's especially important too because of the road games that the crew have on the back yeah. end of this. That you have to go out, get another really good result, because uh, you have a kind of challenging, you know, two sets of road games. Excuse me, back to back. But I think it's for me, it's more of. You know, I think momentum and confidence is such a fickle thing, but I think it's especially that in Major League Soccer. Because I always think about the, you know, the, the times that it felt like when under Caleb Porter with the crew where it felt like, okay, maybe we banished, did we banish the demon? Like, oh, man, it looked a little bit more positive. And then, like, nope, nope, still there, still there, <laughs> right? Well, on the flip side, it's like, 
you know, how do you how do you kind of maintain it? How do you keep the pedal on the floor? It's such a challenging thing to do, and I think it's also hard because the you know, and I, we, I meant to talk about this with the Cincinnati stuff the a little bit and how some road games are different. But like w- the way that travel works, you know, in MLS is a challenge. It's hard, I think, sometimes. But the there's something about the way. Wilfred Nazi and his coaching staff goes about managing the human side of these guys. Yes. That it seems to be like at a level that I don't see anyone else in the league doing. And so I, I feel very confident in their ability to kind of keep that positive momentum going. I don't really know why I feel that way other than just kind of reading body language and looking at the way the guys are and the way they talk about them and the way they talk about themselves. It just feels like that there's something different and something better about it that maybe no one else is really doing. So I, I really love that, you know, potential. I feel like that not only is there is the potential for that to happen really good, but I also think it's like almost a lock in, in some ways. A downtrodden LA Galaxy team came here earlier this summer, and I look at this match like I look at that one. The second half was pretty dull. They took care of business in the first half, yeah. and then they just suffocated them completely in in the second half i'd be fine with just you know bringing your lunch pail getting the job done uh don't need a lot of style points here just get the win now that being said i think there can be a lot of style points and i think that the interesting discussion about this team is what the starting 11 is going to be on saturday for us yeah it could I mean, it could look a variety of ways. You know, do you stick with what's working, like we were talking about earlier, especially in the attack? You know, do you do you get in a Camacho and a Shaburko on the back line? Um, you know, I think the only thing we really know is that midfield. You know, you're going to have Aiden and Darlington in there, um, and then yeah, does do you play Rossi from the start? I would guess that this is where you can make some changes. You know, this is a game where you feel more comfortable doing it than, than the Cincinnati game. Um, you mentioned Nazi's familiarity with Toronto. Uh, Camacho also playing for Montreal. Good point. We'll, we'll have uh, certainly a, a familiarity there. I think at some point, because I know they really like Shaburko and that first half against Minnesota wasn't good, but like you need to get him in there and get him comfortable. And this may be a good one to, to do that, assuming Toronto plays the way we think they will. Um, and then, yeah, with Rossi, yeah, I, I think it's it's really up to how this week goes and, and what Nancy feels comfortable with. I also wonder, we, we praise Julian Gressel, and rightfully so. But like, do you do you let Mo Farsi start this game, given what we talked about with the connections and, and playing against his former team and whatnot? And, like, you don't want that kid to be completely forgotten on the bench the rest of the year. And, you know, Gressel is the guy at that spot now, but... I think you do want to find times to continue to play Mo, and you know, maybe I don't know. I may be reaching. Here. I think it might be more likely that you see him play on the left side than, than, could than getting in there on the right. Um, I would expect them to. I would expect a regular lineup for this one, but I would think a full rotation against Houston because it's a Western Conference team. It's a quick turnaround. It's a, it's a Wednesday. Wednesday the they were going to play kids against Portland. I did, so. and they did not. Um, but the, might as well have. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think maybe that's where you you get out and you show. You know, show a little bit of what feels like two, you know, crew two point minus two point or whatever it might be down in Houston with all the the guys who are down there now. But um, gonna be a hot night too. Yeah. Oh and, my goodness. But and I, I, it's three straight road games, by the way. Now yeah, there is Montreal an inter- on September second. There is an international oh, break in between 
I think the second and third oh, games sure. before. Because yeah, I want to say we got there's the, a break between the, the game on September second and the, and the match one. on the 16th yeah. against Orlando. So that that I think is kind of maybe dampens some of the the challenges that that exist. But the I think I wouldn't be surprised if it's literally the same starting eleven that we saw against Cincy. I agree. I think you see you see you might see if they go in and they score two in the first half or whatever, you see early substitutions yeah. to kind of rotate that squad. That way they're not necessarily going in under pressure. They get, right. It gives it a little bit of breathing room. All right. Well, are we ready to make our picks and scoot on out of here? Yeah, All sure. Right. Brett? So I did pick 2-0 in Hell is Real. Dosisero. Um, the starting eleven came out, and I sent to our group chat. Can I? Can I? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, can I change you don't my have prediction? To admit this. Um, well, but you know, if Bart was here, Bart Bart would you know, in in in, in the spirit of disclosure, Bart would hold my feet to the fire for this. So okay, in, for in sure. his absence. win but uh, you know full disclosure I did maybe not think that that back three could keep a clean sheet and they did that and then some um, but you know I think it's like a, I could totally see a, a situation um, in this game where it's like Toronto gets an early goal because like, you know the soccer gods sometimes laugh um, and then the crew come back and win like 3-1 4-1 uh, but I just think there's something about the way this team has been. The cohesion, the continuity in the starting 11 just feels right at the moment. And so, and especially defensively, I feel like they've taken a step. um, And the one-on-one defending appears to be really, really good right now. And so, you know, give me, give me three zero against TFC. Um, And it's just a crying shame that they stink, man. That's, it's really too bad. (laughs) Sarcasm fun. Sam? Um. Oh, you came to me too fast. I was watching Little League World Series over here. Um, after after a game like Cincinnati and all the hype and all the yes, it's Toronto, it's a rival. Um, but what you want to hope for is that there is no letdown. And I think that the way Nancy has managed the psychology of this team so far it does not lend itself. To that, because However, it didn't feel like it didn't feel like they went too high. Like that's right. the thing. Like when the game was over, it wasn't like they ran on the field celebrating they won yeah. the MLS Cup. It was just kind of like boom. Yeah, we we knew that was what we were supposed to do, right? And I think that speaks exactly to what you're saying that because it didn't feel like they got too up for it. Yep. Why would you maybe expect a letdown? If anything, the hope is that it it pushed into their confidence that they are like. We know what we can do. Raising the floor. The raising, exactly. Raising the floor. So not, not we overachieved and beat the top team in the East. We are as good, if not better than them. So what you're hoping for is that you see that and not see them play down to TFC because that's where they get in trouble when they play yeah. down to an opposing team. Um, having said that, maybe they throw TFC a bone and let them score a goal, but I think it's going to be 3-1. 3-1. Crew. Yes. I'm going to say 2-0. I think your comparison with that Galaxy game is a good one. Like, just go out there, handle your business. It doesn't need to be, you know, if, if you can put up five, fine. But I, you know, I think Toronto will have some fight. To the joy of everybody in the stadium. It's a sellout, too. Yeah. That's the 11th sellout, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, I, 
Yeah, I, I think this is just, you know, go out and do your business. Um, it doesn't doesn't need to be anything over the top. Um, curious how many people boo Michael Bradley because... <laughs> Everybody. I still, well, it won't be because most people now at these games don't understand why that's... It, that was so even the case previously. To. Anytime you boo TFC, everybody will join in, regardless of whether they know or not. Come just, on now. I just don't know. Anyway, I've, I've gone down we this We can rehash this on, an, on the, the next that needs, podcast. That needs its own podcast. I'm, 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 I'm fascinated to see what happens. Yeah. I mean, they will. Fascinated. I, I'm sure, too. The OGs, no. Obviously, the OGs are going to be, be they're going to boo, but I'd be curious to see what it is like throughout the entire stadium. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that next time. But, uh, yeah, I'll go 2 nail. Handle handle business. I'm going four to one. I think we give up a stupid, meaningless goal late in the game just because. I mean, I don't base that on anything other than it's hard to keep a clean sheet, and uh, they'll sneak one in and stoppage time. Four to one. All right, that does it for us. Toronto on Saturday night, 7:30 at Lower.com. Then it's on the road. Tough stretch of games before the international window in September. We'll be back next week to talk about all that. Thanks to our friends here at Saucy Brew Works. Like and subscribe to the Massport Podcast. We appreciate it. For Brett, for Murph, for Sam, I'm Brian. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.